What the If is brought to you by listeners like you, thanks to our Patreon members, patreon.com slash whattheif. Go there now and find out how you can become a member and get all kinds of cool rewards. And thank you for supporting our mission for science education and science fun. Welcome to What the If. News edition! Whoa, the change-up! I've already ruined it. I was, we were supposed to, the whole point of doing a news special is to be more dignified, because we have serious topics. I've already blown it. Good music. Good music. I suddenly feel like I'm wearing a three-piece suit and walking down the street in sunglasses. Well, I mean, it's an audio recording. You could be. You can tell That's us right. whatever you want. Yeah. Exactly. 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 On the internet, uh, no one knows you're a dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, what the If News. That is, um, I'm Philip Shane, documentary uh, filmmaker and science fan. And that is um, the voice of Professor Matthew Stanley from New York University, historian of science. How are you, sir? Uh, I am okay. We've survived the latest heat wave. Uh, yes. And uh, moving along. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Um, and we also have with us virologist uh, at Rockefeller University, Gabby Panicia. How are you? For the record, it is dubious whether or not I survived the heat wave. Still, the jury's a little bit out. I have to work in jeans, so every time, like, even just making the trek across, like, I don't know, it's like 50 feet to my lab now, I'm just a bag of sweat. Like, I go into the BSL-3, and I'm in, like, the full plastic suit, and I am a bag of sweat. It's not fun. So, it's yeah, it's a little bit dubious whether or not I survived this heat wave. We'll see if it's just my ghost reporting into the laboratory every day. Yeah, that would be pretty cool, too. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be a great kid's book, The Ghost That Worked in the Lab. Oh, Rockefeller probably has so many ghosts. Dude, right? I think so many scientists that have like died here at their bench. Not because, you know, we're killing scientists at their bench, but just because, you know, <laughs> you get into a nice, cushy academic environment, you don't really want to leave. Um, <laughs> probably a lot of ghosts. Yeah, <laughs> nice, like that. That'd be good. Uh, yeah, and the ghosts, I was going to ask you if ghosts have less ego, but I would say no. They have the same ego, so they still want their names put on the papers, you know. Well, I'm imagining a lot of, like, you know, heated shouting in lab meetings, but that you just can't hear because it's the ghosts. The ghosts shouting, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, like, they're not really fully convinced by your data. Um, maybe they're still not really full believers in the fact that DNA is heritable. So, <laughs> Well, I think that's a great premise for a short story, actually, if you're looking for inspiration, Gabby. Hmm. Tempted. I actually did whip something up for a contest. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, actually, kind of a not uh, not exactly on that topic, but maybe adjacent. So, cool. topic adjacent. Um, so uh, we're we're doing the news we're a little slight, slightly different format this week. And and those of you who who are longtime listeners may recall that uh, there was a period, for, actually for a year, more than a year, um, where we did uh, two shows a week. We did a news program with Gabby, uh, I believe on Mondays, and then uh, Matt and I did these sort of regular science uh, show later in the week. And then we merged them because uh, the news about the pandemic kind of uh, slowed down, 
a bit and uh, just became every day. But uh, every once in a while, it's uh, good to check in. And so um, I really wanted to, I, I had just myself as a layperson, a lot of questions. Um, and since we have incredible expert uh, Gabby here uh, from Rockefeller, um, be good to get some update on some of these uh, new things that are happening, in particular monkeypox and just whatever's happening with COVID-19 and all its uh, drunk relatives keep <laughs> crashing the party. Um, and of course, Matt always is here to help us with the history of science and how these things fit in with all that. So, um, uh, less, less, unfortunately, less imagination because we're living through an if, as yeah, it turns right. out. Mm -hmm. As it turns out. So, um, uh, monkeypox. Let's start with monkeypox. Gabby, what is monkeypox? And uh, I know it's a serious subject, and yet, uh, to my mind, maybe it's just me. Monkeys, if you put monkey in anything, it sounds funny. I imagine a barrel of fun. Mm -hmm. Seems like yeah. it should be a funny thing. but It's, it's yeah. not, yeah, it's really an aptly named for a disease. It can be, like, incredibly painful. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I obviously want to start this off with a caveat. I'm, like, a lab virologist. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a public health worker. I'm not a doctor in that sense. Right. Um so don't use this as your, your guide for like, oh my God, should I go to the hospital right now? Or, or, you know, but I'm just trying to answer some general questions that I've heard people have that I can answer as a virologist. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so monkeypox, despite the name, is not actually a disease of monkeys. Um, so it was discovered first in monkeys, and so we called it monkeypox, but it's actually primarily in rodents and can spread from uh. rodents to people. Um, oh, this is part what? of the concern about it being in the United States because there are plenty of rodents here, just like there are in Africa, where in the regions where it's endemic. Um, so we don't want it jumping to animals and then monkeypox becoming something that we have to worry about sort of consistently here. So um, this I think is a last... publicity, publicity win for the rodents. Like, touche rodents. You know, it's a rodent disease, and yet they managed to manage name, get it named after the blame primates. the monkeys. Yeah. You know, yeah. this happens a lot, though, right? The Spanish flu didn't start in Spain. Uh, I think it was like what? first detected in the United States. Yeah. So, Kansas. Yeah. yeah. So it's one of these things where, like, very in a very consistent way in the history of disease, we tend to either name it for the place it was found or the thing that it was found in, uh -huh. um, and then that can quickly wind up becoming a misnomer if wasn't actually from there. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, so I interrupted, but I just I just had to make sure that we understood. It's the rats, rat, but yeah, rat pox, or rodent pox, that would be a horrific, that would cause panic, I think. I think that does a better job of underlying the fact that it's a serious disease, not as like True. frivolous as, yeah. as monkey pox. Mm, yeah, yeah. probably right, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, so monkey pox, so what is monkey pox? Exactly. Yeah. So it's, uh, and I want to make sure I get the group right. Um, so I'm pretty sure it's an orthopox virus. And I just want to make sure that orthopox is the right, um, pox. the right group that I'm describing. Orthopox yeah, is, is my orthopox. favorite group. Yeah. <laughs> I, lo I love my favorite band. They're fa yeah, they're fantastic. It is an orthopox virus. Um, and so there are other viruses in that family. It's not, despite the fact that it's named animal and pox related to chicken pox. So uh -huh. chicken pox okay. is actually a herpes virus. This is why you get chicken pox as a child and then you get shingles later. It's the same virus, just reactivating. Around, uh -huh. yeah. yeah. But 
monkeypox is actually more related to the virus that causes smallpox. So this is why we've had some success in vaccinating people against monkeypox using the smallpox vaccine that we have. Right Interesting. Okay. So Matt, what, what would you like to know? So um, you mentioned the, the family it's in. What characteristics does that tell us about it? Like what, what features does it share with other viruses in that family? You know, it's funny. I actually don't know that much about orthopox viruses. Um, <laughs> the monkey I mean, or- pox ortho is usually means straight or something like that. I don't know if that's referring to like the shape of the virus. Interesting. Um, Matt, I mean, that as far with the as, stumper. I like it, Matt. As far as the virion looks, it's kind of weird, actually. It's not like um, it's not a complete circle. So a lot of times we think like COVID nineteen. I'm sure you've seen the soccer ball with spikes, right? Um, yes. That yeah. kind of yeah. image. Um, it's not. It's sort of long, um, mm. like it, like a sort of more squished out oval. Interesting. Okay. Mm. Mm. But it's okay. it's also not like uh, it's not perfectly oval. It's it's a it's a funky little shape because. I mean, variants sometimes have weird shapes, like um, pretty sure Rhabdoviridae, they're bullet-shaped, which is, like, fun. I mean, it's rabies, so it's not that fun. Um, But it's it's a little fun. What are the the symptoms? Let's start with that. What are the symptoms of monkeypox? Yeah, so the main one that you're going to hear about is the rash that has the the pox, the the bumps. so that's sort of very characteristic of it, but there's plenty of other symptoms that are associated with it, which unfortunately are kind of ambiguous in the way that just being generally sick is. Mm. Um, so that's things like, you know, fever, chills, you get swollen lymph nodes and muscle aches, right. um, which is kind of just one of our generic, hey, you're sick sort of markers, <laughs> which is not the, the, the development of the... Um, the pustules is by far the most characteristic thing. Um, and they can sort of range in size. And I've heard they also can kind of be itchy sometimes as they're developing. And they also, again, hurt. Um, and there's not a limit to where they can develop. Yikes. Uh, and it, the, the, the good thing for society at large, the only thing we can say is good, is that it's not spread through the air, right? It's spread through contact. Yeah, so that's the thing, right? So monkeypox relative to COVID is, you know, it's spread by sustained skin-to-skin contact or mm. contact with anything that's been contaminated and is, you know, contains infectious material. So, for example, mm. like infected bedding. Um, mm. I've heard people mistakenly think that it's an STD um, because that is a, uh, it's spreading in some ways through sexual contact, but mm. that's also... It's kind of the same misnomer as saying like COVID is an STD because any sustained contact between two people directly right. has a higher chance of transmitting a disease. It doesn't right, right. necessarily matter how it's transmitting as much. Right. Um, so no, it is not. Um, you can get it just from a really long bare chested hug. Okay. Wow. That's good to know. Yeah, it's so, not a good time to be bare chested hugging random strangers. I don't know well, if that's uh, geez, that was on yeah. anybody's docket. Um, that's really going to slow. Well, I'll get to places faster. <laughs> you know, walking Ooh. down the street, like you know, I won't be slowing down for all the hugs I usually do uh, in New York City. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Uh, Matt, what were you going to say? So I was going to say, so it seems like that the the uh, uh, the process you're you're describing there seems like there's both good and bad elements in terms of controlling the spread. Um, one would uh, well, actually, I was thinking so. Um, we do less physical contact than we do just walking next to people. <laughs> so that yeah. suggests that it should be a little harder to spread. And presumably also uh, the, the rash and similar effects are visible. So you would know if you have it and you can presumably judge mm -hmm. whether someone else is likely to have it too. Again, as opposed to COVID in which you can't tell just by looking or encountering someone. Um, right. Does Am I right in that assessment that it's going to be harder to spread for those sorts of reasons? Yeah, so it is actually considered a much harder to spread virus than um, COVID. But another harder to spread virus is Ebola and there are still outbreaks. Um, mm -hmm. So it's sort of the intersection of like situational things that can help to drive outbreaks um, in ways that you might not foresee. Um, so for example, I, I'm pretty sure, I don't want to get myself in trouble with saying this, um, but it's probably easier to not to miss lesions. It's not like you're always covered in a whole body rash. Oh, right. Um, and sometimes they can be quite small. Um, mm -hmm. so it's kind of a thing where somebody might write it off. Um, mm -hmm. it's also easy to just kind of assume, oh, it's not that big of a thing in the States right now. Um, and to sort of write it off that way. Um. But it is definitely not as easy to spread as COVID. COVID was airborne, transmissible, um, and you could get it kind of just based on being in the same vicinity as another person who had it and just being in an enclosed space. That's not the case with this. Right, right. And like smallpox was spread by air. Is that smallpox right? was extremely transmissible. Yeah, this is not yeah. that. It right. is a related virus, but it does not spread as easily. Um, right. it, it's kind of like, you know, SARS-1 and SARS-2 are related viruses, but they're not the same. They have differences in how they spread and extent of outbreaks and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so smallpox is, is dead. Um, and I mean that there's like only <laughs> stocks of it in laboratories. It has not escaped out into the wild. Um, that's not what people say by saying that there's a, a pox virus. Right. And is there a vaccine for monkeypox? There is. It's actually, the same, uh, it's actually the same vaccine as the one for smallpox. Unfortunately, the reason why we are sort of short on supply right now of it is because, at least in the United States, I don't know about everywhere else, um, the U.S. government very much bungled our response to it. Mm. Uh, we had like 20 million vials of it saved um, in preparation for like a potential smallpox attack or something like that. Mm. And I think the vast majority of them were entirely allowed to expire. Oh um, leaving no. us down to a couple thousand vials. Um, yeah, it was really bungled. Um, it's uh, unfortunate that I'm saying this as a disease scientist, but, you know, COVID was sort of a, speaking on two outbreaks, right? COVID was a very different scenario because we had never seen this virus before. It is completely new to the face of the planet. The last time that we were doing these news articles was to keep up with academic papers that were coming out on the ways that the news was vastly misinterpreting them uh, because mm -hmm. we had all never seen this thing before. It was very easy to over-interpret or under-interpret the significance of things. Right. Um, but monkeypox has been around for a while. We've seen it a huh. lot of times. Um, and it's something that we had vaccines for. We have, actually we have a drug for. Um, 
it's currently kind of a stupid hurdle because it's not approved for monkeypox. I think it was approved for like smallpox um, or like at least some other related orthopox virus. And now doctors and patients have to jump through a lot of hoops to use it for monkeypox, despite the fact that there's evidence that it works. Um, so it was kind of the case of a lot of balls dropped, um, which mm. has enabled it to get to this point. Um, despite the fact that, yeah, as Matt said, it's, it's a less transmissible virus than COVID. And it's something that we were at least academically, drug-wise prepared for, if Almost not in supply. Almost prepared for? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, theoretically prepared for. Oh, it's interesting because you could say that they were, you know, the smallpox, it seems like maybe whoever was in charge of maintaining the smallpox vaccine shouldn't have slacked off, you know, but but part of it might have been a sense of like, well, smallpox is gone and they weren't thinking of it being or or but should they have been? I mean, maybe they weren't yeah. thinking of it as being valuable for related illnesses. But I mean, should, that's the thing, right? We, we've yeah. known that these vaccines are also good against monkeypox. Oh, Rather than uh, letting them expire, it would have been much better to send them to places where monkeypox is endemic. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Because if you can cut down on the spread of monkeypox in the place where it's actually spreading, then yeah. you can prevent monkeypox from leaving the place where it's spreading, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. which is another dropped ball. Well, it's interesting. It's, it's sort of the power of deadlines because like with COVID, remember the, the things would expire that day, it seemed, or, or once, once you had defrosted oh, yeah, the uh, vaccine, it's like, it's got to be used. And you saw doctors going to heroic efforts to be like, oh, you know, this is going to go to waste today. And they would just rush to some nursing home or whatever and say, do you need to, I remember my doctor, I actually got a, a booster early once because my doctor called and said, we've, we've got these boosters that are going to expire today. If you want to come in and get one, come in and get it. So, um, yeah, this is sort of, unfortunately the opposite thing where the supply right. is so, so restricted and the demand is so, so high that mm. plenty of people are just unfortunately aren't able to get it right now, which sucks. Right. Right. And it seems like right now it's, uh, the greatest outbreak is in New York, I think in, in the U S anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's, pretty high there's a there's a map up from the cdc and it's i don't think actually we're the greatest outbreak eh, yeah mm. no we are because new yorkers like to hug new yorkers like to hug i'll just say it again mm. you know i think the average <laughs> amount of hugs i've had among new yorkers is less than among marylanders and i actually like that better right um yeah i don't like strangers touching me <laughs> Right. And I, the, the irony that hugging is popular in Maryland, even though Maryland's motto is Maryland is for crabs. So <laughs> another irony. Matt, you, you look like you had a question. Well, so, so why are we suddenly worried about it right now? Right, the disease has been around for a long time. Mm. Um, we are at least theoretically prepared for it. Um, why suddenly are we in a monkeypox crisis? Because mm. mm -hmm. it's here. Um, so the, the last like time Mount we had, Everest. yeah, yeah. I mean, the last time we had a monkeypox crisis, it was from pet stores. It was rodents that were being sold. Wow. Um, and I think yeah. actually specifically it was like prairie dogs. This is a sidebar. Anybody who thinks prairie dogs are a good pet, please back up. They carry so many diseases, including literally Yersinia pestis, the black death. So they are not, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure they carry Y pestis. Yeah. Just don't don't mess with prairie dogs. But they're just, so cute. They're adorable. They're really, really, really sweet with little creatures. Black death. And they, they carry a lot of things that you don't want. Wow. Um, at least in the wild. 
Um, I'm assuming the zoo prairie dogs are, you know, vaccinated, et cetera, whatever is available for prairie dogs. I'm not really up on the literature of prairie dog vaccinations. Um, <laughs> but it was it was a relatively small outbreak. I think it was like maybe 50 cases. And mm. now we're up above 10,000. And it's probably wow. honestly more than that because our testing capacity is bad. Mm. <laughs> wow. Um, it, it's kind of in the way of like, remember how I mentioned in the beginnings of the COVID pandemic, if you happen to be someone who listened to our really early What the If News uh, episodes, that cases were probably an undercount because testing wasn't readily available or particularly effective. Um, and we're kind of in a similar case now where I think testing capacity has only recently been ramped up in the U.S. And for a while, doctors were not particularly screening for it because they expected not to find it um in the same way that you know really really early in covid there was a spike in mystery flus that somebody just was diagnosed as having the flu despite the fact they didn't actually come up positive um any on any sort of influenza test mm -hmm. um so now the scale of the outbreak is a lot bigger we suspect it's there is community spread it's not just like you know there was one sick prairie dog at the pet store that everybody touched and now they've got monkeypox no, it's, it's definitely spreading person to person. Um, and I'm not saying this to, you know, cause anyone, you know, alarm and make you all buy hazmat suits and, you know, run out like that. Um, yeah. But it's definitely more of a public health risk now. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything about the, what, what can you tell us about something more in your, more closer to your exact line of work, which is, if I understand it correctly, would be more the mechanism of the virus, or you know, what what can you, when you look at it from through the perspective of the work you do, what how do you, uh, what kinds of things do you look for in the disease? What interests you the most about uh, the monkeypox? What would you like to? How how, how do you, here, here's a question: Is how do you set about learning about monkeypox? What questions do you bring to the table? So, here's the thing, right? So, as a very molecular virologist we tend to get siloed into only a few viruses because although viruses will obey some sort of central tenets, um, as in that they're going to want to replicate, they're going to want to spread, yada, da, um, they can vary tremendously from virus to virus. Um, like, for example, one of the things that I mentioned, not in monkeypox, is that the life cycle for like hepatitis B, which is a virus that we study in the lab, it was made by a drunken god on a dartboard. Like, I, it's absurd. And I go to lab every day and hear somebody talk about the life cycle of hepatitis B and I still don't understand it. Um, so I don't have actually that much knowledge of the molecular life cycle of monkeypox. I didn't study up on that for this because I wasn't sure. Right. Uh, what but I mean, if, if you were to set out to do it, th th that's actually what I'm interested in. What, let's suppose now you want to learn. How do you set about, like, what's the first thing you need how do you, what are the steps you go through so that you can come to understand monkeypox? Do you mean in a lab or like it's just sure. me in my house? Well, either, <laughs> either. <laughs> Your house is not a lab? Yeah. Um, <laughs> only sometimes, like 50 50. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, as far as academically, the easiest thing for me to do is read reviews. Um, what's nice about uh -huh, scientists uh -huh. is that we, you know, there's all these with this research and whatnot that's put out, but occasionally right. we stop and go, okay, let me make a summary because if you're going to try to read through 60 years worth of literature, you're going to lose your mind. Right. Um, so I would read a summary of, you know, what it is, something about, you know, I, I enjoy reading stuff that also mentions the history of it. Um, 
because yeah. I always think it's interesting our paths towards understanding these things. Um, and by reviews, you don't mean Yelp. Yeah, no, no, no. There's not a Yelp for Monkeypox, which I expect would probably have one-star reviews, considering it's not a fun disease to have. Um, Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, some of these are actually open access. So if anyone is particularly curious, you could probably search up, it's probably almost harder to find because Monkeypox is now a big topic in the news. Like it's, I actually have this problem sometimes if I Google stuff about SARS too, sometimes I have difficulty finding uh, academic articles, unless I explicitly like add certain search terms. Um, right. like I can't call it COVID. I have to call it SARS two, um, or else I don't get any response. I, I don't get any <laughs> academic articles. Um, as far as lab work goes, I'm pretty sure monkeypox is BSL three. Uh, cause I think there was some talk about Charlie getting it in the lab, which I am not a fan of. Um, and for those so, who don't know, what is, what's BSL-3? What does that mean? Yeah, so BSL-3 stands for Biosafety Level 3. Um, there's sort of four assorted levels of biosafety in a lab, and they're by and large exponential. Um, mm. So BSL-1 is kind of like your high school bio lab, not even. Mm. Um, it's maybe you have ethidium bromide for staining gels, which is technically a carcinogen. So mm. that's some abundance of caution kind of right. thing. BSL BS- zero would be the high school cafeteria, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. And then BSL one, <laughs> the chemistry lab. Yeah. Um, and then BSL two is is what we use actually for more viruses than you'd think. Um, hmm. Zika, dengue, uh, chikungunya, they're all BSL two because they have a pretty nil chance of killing you, and it's really hard hmm. to get infected with them. Hmm. Um, they're bloodborne viruses. We're predominantly a flavivirus lab, and a lot of them are transmitted by mosquitoes, ticks, stuff like that. Um, so anything that really won't kill you, but is bloodborne transmitted, um, not a super, super serious disease, um, then it's biosafety level two. And you, you take some precautions, like you work with it in a, a hood that has a certain type of airflow that will keep, um, you know, virus from getting blasted into your face. Um, and you, you take certain disinfecting precautions. Um, biosafety level three, however, is where the engineering controls get more beefy. Um, so that's when you have an entire room, um, or multiple rooms. It's a subsection of the lab where the air flow is always into it so that any, Uh no virus can ever get blown out. Uh And you always have sort of like airlocks, uh, multiple nested doors so that you can take on and off your protective gear, um, in a sequence that allows you to stay, uh, uncontaminated. And throughout that, you're disinfecting yourself. Um, you're disinfecting the things that you're working with while you're in the BSL three. Um, and there's like all like these little quirks, right? Where like if you put something in a centrifuge, you have to have it in a secondary container in case it blows up. Um, oh. Like you know stuff so that like nothing aerosolizes, nothing gets wonky. And in your BSL three are the things that could cause that are more likely to cause severe disease and have some risk of death. Um, but aren't necessarily like Ebola, Marburg, which are BSL-4. If it has a reasonable chance of killing you, that is a BSL-4 pathogen. And you have to additionally wear a positive pressure suit. That's like one of those inflatable sumo suit things that in case there's a puncture in it, air is blasting outward so that like no, nothing gets a, it's It's very, very stringent. Um, and I think there's only a couple BSL-4s in the entire United States. Oh, wow. So BSL-3 is more common. 
Um, and you norm are you normally working in BSL three? Yeah, I go in there mm. like mm. Eh, I, I had a weird dry spell for a couple of months, but I was in there this last week a bunch because I had an experiment. Mm. So SARS two is considered a BSL three agent just because it's aerosolizable. What and does because, it and what does it does it smell like? I, I was just curious. Like if we were to walk in there, does it smell like what would be Clorox or what? No, we, we don't use bleach. We use something called Vesphine because if we uh, use bleach, I think the fumes would kill us with the amount uh -huh. of it that we have to go uh -huh. through. Um, Vesphine's kind of sweet smelling a little bit. It's mm. pink, but like not like a nice pink, like a brown pink. It's a weird <laughs> color. <laughs> um, brown. Those are not two words that should go together. Yeah, brown, it's a brown really pink. strange color. Um, Yikes. It's it's weird, right? Because when you walk into the BSL three, I don't actually know what it smells like because I have an N ninety five over my face, or I have ah. a paper on something else that's like blasting air over my face. Right. Um, Tell us, by the way, the paper. You've talked about the paper before, which is an acronym P A P R. Is that correct? Yeah, and, yeah. And describe the, the there was a downside to the paper <laughs> that I, I cannot un, unsee. Did I ever describe this on the air? Yes, I believe okay. so. Yeah. Um. Basically, the papper looks sort of like a WWE belt, except it's a fan instead of, you know, the big WWE logo, what have you. Yeah. You wear it reversed. You wear it on your back, small of your back, and it has a tube that goes up to your head where it plugs into a mask that blasts air down the front of your face so that, you know, anything aerosolizable can't float up through your mask and infect you. Yeah. The downside of having it right above your butt is that you <laughs> cannot fart. <laughs> because it will suck it up and blast it in your face. Don't fart in the pepper. So, I mean, I guess that's what the BSL-3 does smell like if you um, <laughs> ate some beans the night before and don't really care about your sanity. Right. Um, the, they put the B in the BSL. <laughs> right. Yeah. Bean safety. Bean safety lab. Um, Matt, have you ever been in a... I know you've been in physics labs. So where safety was more like guarding against laser light and things like that, uh, or radiation. Yeah, well, actually, the um, I often worked in optics labs. So the mm. danger there was actually the other way, that you would contaminate the optics. Um, oh, so, you know, one, right. one speck of dust falls off your hair onto the... Uh, the lens for the building size laser um, right. and you destroy a million dollar piece of glass. Yeah. Um, and we allegedly had radiation safety protocols, but they were not <laughs> followed, let's say, stringently. And these were in um, government facilities. Uh, yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> and sometime when we're not being recorded and I can't be arrested for saying it, I'll tell you more of the details. Whoa. Um, but it did not go well. But let's it, just say, I mean, there's a reason that I ended up with identical twins, and that's because of <laughs> large amounts of radiation exposure. Yikes. <laughs> Wait, so then you would have been dressed about the same, right? Uh, you have probably, to have... Right. Yeah, we'd probably look the same from the outside. Yeah, Yeah, Tyvek suits and all that jam. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we just, yeah, did not. It, it felt a little pro forma <laughs> as opposed to actually trying to protect people. Yikes. Yikes. It was interesting, Gabby, when you were talking about the airflow, because it did, it reminded me of, again, also I have experienced the opposite, which is I luckily have gotten to go in, sometimes in, at NASA into uh, NASA clean rooms in, in which the, it's all, everything is positive pressure. So I remember at the, um, you'd first go through like an airlock where wind would, when you walked in, you know, wind would 
you'd feel air coming out of the room because the room was kept at a higher pressure. And then within these giant, you know, aircraft hangar sized rooms where they're building rockets and things like that, assembling rockets, there would be smaller like cubicles that they would have built surrounded by like a box, you know, of clear plastic. And that was at another higher pressure. And then inside that box, there might be something of even higher pressure if there's some very, very sensitive electronics. So the idea was that as you walked inwards, you were going to higher pressure, whereas you were working, walking into lower. Into yeah, lower and pressure. it's it's funny. Uh, one, it makes doors obnoxious to open um, <laughs> when you're trying to yeah. get out. Um, huh? And I, I actually was having a conversation with a friend who was an engineer and with a background in aerospace engineering. And mm. we were talking about our respective spaces and only about halfway through the conversation realized that we were talking about opposite pressures. Yeah. Because um, yeah. uh, we yeah. had very, very similar protocols or whatever. And then he's like, yeah, you know, it's positive pressure. And I was like, oh, my God, no negative pressure. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? No, that's going to blast yeah. dust and everything. I was like, that's going to send your all of your evil pathogens out. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. So when you get a new person in your lab, you got to really, even if they're experienced, you got to really make sure that they know the specific work you're doing and the precautions they need to take, right? You can't just yeah. let a random virologist wander into your lab. Yeah, no, there's a lot of like certification training and stuff like that, that you have to undergo. Mm -hmm. We're not even of like the BSL threes, to be honest, we're like little league. We don't really work with anything that's like stupid, dangerous. Um, I know some people who worked with like SARS one at different places and I'm like, that's insane. Like, yeah. uh, we, we work, I mean, we, we work with some viruses that are not great, but also stuff that like I'm vaccinated against, like we have yellow fever. That's mm. not a great virus to get, but mm. I also mm. have been vaccinated against yellow fever. So on the off chance I get, I don't know, somehow stuck with an infected needle, which we don't even keep needles in the BSL three, I'll probably be fine. Mm. Mm. Interesting. All right, let's let's switch real before we wrap up. I wanted to get just a COVID update. What what uh, anything new on that front? I mean, not particularly. It's still yeah. here. Uh, I've heard talk that there will be uh, booster shots that are actually like Omicron derived spike, yes. as opposed to the fact that all of our current vaccines are um, OG SARS two spike derived. Yeah. Um, which, to be honest, I think we should have done a while ago. <laughs> mm. um, it's, I don't know, right? We're, we're at one of these frustrating points where it's still there. Everybody seems largely fed up with it. Yeah. It is still a threatening disease if you're somebody who's immunocompromised. Mm -hmm. um, and there are plenty of people who have gotten and may still stand to get long COVID. Yeah. Um, so... I am just at the frustrated virologist side point. I'm pretty sure it's globally <laughs> endemic. Um, I, I've heard people talking that they think it's going to have just like a normal flu um, winter spike. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I'm not an epidemiologist. My job is not tracking disease spikes out in the wild, but um, it seems to actually spike twice a year. So I don't really know what they're thinking there. Mm. Um just my standard response of get vaccinated if you have it, stay safe. Yeah, It's definitely becoming less deadly, but that doesn't mean it's, again, not a significant disease for somebody who may be immunocompromised, especially given how fast and how well it spreads. Yeah. Or the thing yeah. I can say is having had it earlier this year was the, the fatigue that I had. The Thank God it didn't turn into long, long COVID, but I had six weeks of like really bad fatigue. And Matt, I think you were saying you had it. Yeah, it was sick rough. in June. That was really unpleasant. Yeah. How um, long did the bad symptoms last for you? Uh, a week. 
actually. Okay. So a substantial amount of time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess what I suspect a lot of people are wondering is if, if, Mon if, we, if we're in an emergency with monkeypox the way we were with COVID, do we need to start washing our hands again and mm. wearing masks or long sleeves maybe is more appropriate now, <laughs> um, getting rid of our pet guinea pigs? What's the, um, what are the precautions we need to be taking to prevent the monkeypox from? Maybe we need like a full body mask, a full body mask for like, you could do a hug and then it's disposable. It's like, okay, we're going to hug. So let's put on our hug suits. Yeah. Well, our full, then... full body condoms, like in yeah. uh, the naked gun, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, one, there you go. That is an excellent <laughs> idea. Um, I guess just, yeah, take appropriate precautions in certain activities, um, uh, since in some ways it does seem to be spreading through sexual contact, again, not an STD, but maybe find ways of having sex that don't involve necessarily skin to skin contact. Mm. Um, I would say, I mean, always when you get off of something like a New York city subway, wash your hands. Um, but I think that's generally just good disease advice. Yes. Um, yeah. I would say don't, this is just kind of a little bit of an aside because, yeah, I think generally doing the things that you've been doing for COVID can't hurt to do for monkeypox. And it's easier to contain. Again, it's not spreading through the air. People have to come in contact with each other. Um, so not having contact with people does diminish it. Not telling you to cut off all your friends and family, but do what you will. Um, oh, God, there was something there was an actual aside I was going to make about. It's gone. <laughs> it'll be it's back. Gone. It'll be back. It went through the uh, went through the BSL filter. It went through the the Marylander like three cycles of abstraction where you start telling two stories at once and you, you think you're going to circle back and exactly it just fails miserably. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I actually did remember it. There we go. Um, don't stigmatize random people who may have like skin conditions. This has just been a thing uh -huh. that has come out um, a lot where people interesting idiots on TikTok will like literally like record videos of like random passersby and be like, Oh my God, monkeypox question mark. And they just have like psoriasis. Um, no, so that's terrible. stay in your lane guys. Like Yikes. just don't, if you're worried about it, don't hug random people or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Don't have extended skin skin contact with random people. I guess if you have a job that may put you in contact with infected bedding, mm. wear gloves, wash your hands, mm. stuff like mm. that. Mm. Um, I don't know if sleeve covers are common, but I, I, it's it's been a weird thing, right? Me trying to give advice for this because it's very much similar to COVID, but I also don't yeah. want to lowball it, but I don't want to oversell it. Um, well, I think what, one thing we learned from the pandemic, I got to say, is just it just sort of reinforced basic hygiene practices that uh, not everyone did, you know, as diligently as we did once we once the pandemic began. You know, that yeah, that's right. So, like, you know, the, the, the flu just vanished for a year, essentially, because people were taking good yeah. care of themselves, like for the yeah. first time ever. Yeah. yeah. And wearing yeah. masks. I mean, it's incredible. I've not gotten a cold or anything. I'll say that I got COVID once, but like have not had the usual, you know, just runny nose and all that kind of stuff. From yeah. And I think mask. in a weird like way, this is, you know, harder. I'm not saying I'm trying not to give frivolous advice because it is a serious outbreak. And I think it's one yeah. that unfortunately hasn't been taken seriously by a lot of people because it has the name like monkeypox. Yes. And unfortunately it's at least been first detected in 
men who have sex with men. So therefore it's been additionally stigmatized and sort of just like pushed to the side. So I'm not saying any of this to, to make light with of it. Um, but talking about precautions for this is kind of hard too, because it, it affects human to human contact in a way that COVID was a weird ghost that affected every contact with people. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is one that affects generally yeah. specific and more intimate contacts with people. And I'm not saying that just to mean sex, I mean, literally also just like hugging your family. Um, yes. Kids are getting it because kids are doing what kids do and slobbering all over each other mm-hmm. because they're kids. Um, so it's, it's, it's a definitely different pattern of transmission that makes it a little bit funkier to take precautions against as opposed to just giving the blanket and sometimes difficult to do advice of just don't see anybody. How's that? Like, you know, we're people. We yeah. tend not to like that. Yeah. Just not I, seeing people. I think another thing is what, what everyone who's listening to this program has been doing, which is stay informed. That's probably one of the best things, you know, read up on it, get the basic facts so that, because anyone who does, if when you gain knowledge, especially on important topics of the day, you can pretty much guarantee you are going to become a source of knowledge and that you can you can use that power for good to sort of battle against a lot of rumors and things like that. So uh, yeah. if you just re, you know keep up on the newspaper, uh, keep up on YouTube, on the good news, the good sites on YouTube um, and, and stay informed. Uh, and I should say get, get vaccinated if uh, you are a potential oh, yeah. contact of somebody. Uh, or you think you're in an at-risk group um, because, yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely something that we are ramping up the production of the vaccines. We are increasingly getting more and more. It's in short supply now, like I said, but it doesn't mean you should be like, oh, I shouldn't try to get it because maybe maybe it's not monkeypox. Maybe these are just pimples all over my body for some other reason. It's like maybe you should err on the side of caution. Yeah. Um, yeah. So fingers crossed we can try to get this down through actual public health measures. Um, and, uh, fingers crossed it doesn't become endemic because I don't want New York city subway rats being grosser than they are. And they're big, they're big, they're they're getting bigger every day. Um, so, so here's a segue, Matt, anything you'd like to plug? (laughs) Um, well, I was going to plug my, um, come cuddle my lab rats, uh, event, but I guess I'm going to have to not do that now. Oh yeah. I was going to bring my prairie dog to that. Mm -hmm. It's going to be great. Um, Uh, otherwise no, um, classes start in a couple of weeks. So if you're one of my students, um, get your stuff in order. Yeah. (laughs) Prepare. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Prepare. Gabby, anything you'd like to plug? Get vaccinated either vaccine, COVID, the monkeypox vaccines, uh, right or tingly smallpox vaccines. Um, yeah, nothing else, I think. Basically, yeah. just stay safe. I know every, basically every time I hear of another disease, I just I want my job to be less relevant. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's tough out there. It's tough thinking of having to take precautions against another disease. Um, yeah. So... I guess, I mean, I don't know. It's mood advice, but try to not give in too much to the pandemic fatigue and still keep washing your hands aggressively. Yeah, wash your hands. It's giving advice that's like, you know, it's easy for me to say I'm like a virologist high horse, but. (laughs) No, washing your hands is always good advice. I actually have something to plug. Um, and what a wonderful context to do it within the just, uh, disease soaked discussion. But, um, uh, those of you who, um, 
if anybody follows my documentary career or if you're a fan of video games may know that I've been doing a documentary I've been working on a documentary about Myst, the classic video game Myst, M-Y-S-T, um, which if you know it, if you ever played Myst, uh, I know you're smiling right now remembering Myst. It was a fabulous thing. Uh, the game that was uh, made by, uh, created by two guys um, who didn't live in Silicon Valley. They lived way out in the woods outside of Spokane, Washington. Guys of very modest means, no connections to the industry. Uh, in 1993 and made a game that uh, became the most popular video game in the world for over nine years, was number one, um, eventually knocked off the top 10 list by, or uh, knocked, knocked out of the number one slot by The Sims. That's how powerful <laughs> The Sims are. But uh, a game that has gone on to achieve such fame as even winding up in the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C. alongside... Uh, um, Dorothy's ruby slippers from the Wizard of Oz and things like that, and in the Museum of Modern Art uh, in New York as well. So an extraordinary story. And uh, I will be giving a big update about it, sort of an annual update that I do every year at the um, annual Mist Fan Convention, oh, which cool. is called Mysterium, M-Y-S-T-E-R-I-U-M, <laughs> Mysterium. And so uh, you can watch it. It's, uh, it's in a different city each year. Um, I was going to be there in person, but because of COVID and stuff like that, me and a whole lot of other people decided to do it virtually. So the, the convention is happening, as so many conventions do these days, both in person and virtually, and you can tune in. Uh, so if you have any interest in retro video games or the history of Myst or you just like really cool nerdy, nerd stuff, um, uh, there's three days worth of incredible, fun, fabulous uh, discussions going on and you can watch it at, uh, on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash mysterium con twitch.tv slash mysterium con. I'll put a link in the show notes. So super fun. I'll be doing my presentation on, um, Sunday at uh, 12 PM Eastern time. Uh, and it's a two hour presentation. So you can find out all about the documentary and all kinds of other cool stuff we're doing, uh, there. So tune in for that. Um, <laughs> Lastly, I think, uh, you know, the idea of crazy things flying around in the universe is something we can all relate to. So, oh, sorry, before I mention, uh, before I forget, before we close out, Patreon members, um, you get special bonus content. We'll be having a, uh, a little extra after show discussion with Gabby, learning more, a little bit more about um, uh, monkeypox and related uh stuff and uh with so matt and i and gabby will be talking more about that as we always do every week there's bonus content only for patreon members they're the only ones who get this stuff uh and there's all kinds of fun stuff that happens in these uh, post-show discussions so that's at patreon patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n <laughs> patreon.com slash what the if if you haven't checked it out, just go check it out. There's no obligation. You can go to the site. And you don't just get bonus content. You get bonus clothing. You get bonus uh, kitchenware. <laughs> All <laughs> kinds of fun stuff you can get depending on what level membership if you do choose to join up. And there's all kinds of very affordable to uh, at the higher levels. You get. I think you get all the way up to a hoodie or something like that. So winter's coming. I think you need, you're going to need your hood. If you're going into the BSL-3, you're going to need a hood. So, uh, you know, and some other stuff. I think we need, actually, Gabby, we should talk about that. We should get some hazmat materials. You know, I'm sure people, a pepper. Like what put a logo on the front of the Tyvek or something like that. Yeah. Like a sticker. Well, I mean, I, I hate to say it, and this is where my mind goes, but I want a pepper with the what the if logo on it. <laughs> <laughs> 
seems right, like a dangerous cool. combination. I can't um, imagine what the Patreon tier would be for that because I'm pretty sure they are stupid expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some of our favorite Patreon members uh, wrote in recently and told me that they put the sticker on their car as a bumper sticker. So there's oh, nice. a car driving around Ohio that says, uh, what the if on the back. I think that'll, that would keep you safe because I think all the other cars are going to stay away from that. Give you some space. But, yeah. Give you some space, exactly. Um, so uh, in closing, what's, uh, Matt, would you lead us? Because you, you were talking about loose, you know, fairly loose government regulations, not keeping up with safety. I think that seems to fit our, our closing ritual. What, what, what is it for those who have no idea what's happening here? Uh, well, I suppose so. Um, it's uh, when we remind people the, the show we've been listening to. But in this particular context, you turn the corner and you see a, a horde of rash carrying rats coming your way. <laughs> and then you turn the other direction and see a, a group of government bureaucrats failing to update the, the dates on the vaccine that would protect you from the rats and caught in between the virus carriers and the failed virus preventers, you suddenly scream out, What the Patreon members, don't forget to check out your exclusive bonus after show content and everyone else. Check it out. Thank you all for listening. Stay safe. See you next week. <laughs>